Okay, good morning. My name is Yumiko Nakagawa, one of the pastors at Wellspring. And this morning, we are starting this new sermon series on Galatians. Uh, and Galatians is one of the books in New Testament, in case you haven't heard about it. And we will actually read the entire book of Galatians and for the next couple months. So we get to read whole book, and we're going to get to spend a whole, I think, October... Wait, we're still in September. The rest of the September, whole month of October, and a half of November, we're going to be spending time together on this book. So I am very, very excited about this sermon series, and I'm actually too excited to do any kind of extra proper introduction. So we're going to jump right into the text today. So here we go. And I wanted to kind of us to start this time and to start this series, actually, by uh, through the, with the reading, the very first five verses, five verses of the letter. So I'm going to read the scripture passage today, and I'm going to read from this translation called New Testament for Everyone, which may or may not be familiar to some of you. Uh, it's the translation translated by um, this one of the most brilliant theologian, in my opinion, uh, named N.T. Wright. So it's here we go. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle. My apostleship doesn't derive from human sources, nor did it come through a human being. It came through Jesus the Messiah and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And the family who are with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus the Messiah, our Lord, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory to the ages of ages. Amen. I just want to quickly check. Is the sound okay? I feel like a little bit echoey. Everything okay back there? Yeah. Okay, great. So let's get back on this passage. And what these five passages are saying is this. Hello, this is Paul. As you know, my name used to be Saul. I used to be a Pharisee and a very zealous one. When I was Saul, the most important thing in my life was to study the Torah and all the other books about God. From when I was very, very young, I dedicated my life to praying to and learning about and following this one and only true God who created this whole world, who also promised Abraham to increase his descendants like a stars in the sky and a sands in the sea. God, this is the God who called Moses to lead my people, Moses' people, out from Egypt to lead his people to the journey to the promised land. My life was about defending my faith in this God. This God who promised that the Messiah 
will be sent to us someday, and God will save the whole world through this Messiah. So I did everything I could within my power to act upon my faith, which meant I work hard to make not only myself, but people around me, other fellow Jewish people, to follow God's rules. I prayed hard, I work hard to do that. And I did this not because I thought I was right. I wanted me and everyone else to follow God's rules so that the Messiah would come. For me, my life was about following God and so that, and not just me, but everyone else following God so that the world will receive the Messiah someday. A little while ago, a group of Jews, Jewish people started to spread this nonsense. These people claimed Jesus, you know, the son of Carpenter, was the Messiah. You know the Jesus who was crucified along with the criminals? They said that Jesus was the Messiah. And not only that, they claimed this Jesus was killed on the cross and after three days, they said they saw Jesus resurrected. That's ridiculous. And they used that as a basis to say Jesus was the Messiah. Torah taught us, the Jewish people, the Messiah would defeat the evil powers of this world, evil powers like the powerful empire of the Roman Empire. Not the other way around. The evil part not supposed to kill our Messiah. The Messiah is supposed not to be weak and a powerless to be killed on the cross. That was ridiculous. And people needed to stop spreading these lies. So I went around. I went around to make them stop spreading the lies. And yes, I had to kill some of them. Because some of those Jesus followers wouldn't stop saying Jesus was the Messiah. I had to do that. Uh, see, because, you know, as a Pharisee, my conviction was this. In order for Messiah to come to this world to save the whole world, all Jewish people, all God's people, needed to follow the rules written in Torah and not doing things like spreading nonsense like somebody else who was not supposed to Messiah was Messiah. And that's why I went around breaking all these gatherings of Jesus believers and even killed them and harmed them. And that's not because I hated them, but because that's how much I really wanted Messiah to come save us. One day, when I was on my way to Damascus to deal with more Jesus believers, however, something had happened to me. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, God revealed Jesus the Messiah to me. The resurrected Jesus spoke to me. And when he spoke, everything became so clear. 
as if I were blind and I couldn't see, but my eyes were open and I could see everything. I now see that the Jesus is the Messiah that I was looking for and waiting for and searching for for all my life. That's why I don't introduce myself as Saul anymore, a great Pharisee. But instead, I said, this is Paul, an apostle. And it is God who gave me the title of apostle. God called me to this new vocation. Just as another, all the other apostles who the resurrected Christ revealed himself to, Jesus revealed to me that he is the Messiah. And God commissioned me, gave me this job to go and proclaim this good news. And today, I'm writing this letter, not just for myself, but with the people I share the same conviction and same excitement about this Jesus Messiah is here. And these people I call my family. And then me and my family together write this letter to you, all congregations in Galatia. And I know you guys are going to circulate this letter and read. And as you pass along this letter, I pray and we pray that you be blessed with the grace and peace from our God, who is all our Father, and from Jesus, who is the Messiah, we all have been waiting for. And reign today this world as our Lord. And we all know that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't deserve any of that. He didn't deserve the injustice of the trial he went through, humiliation he had to bear as he was carrying his own cross and people spitting on him, ridiculing him. The excruciating pain on the cross. Any one of us would have been a lot more deserving than than what he had, he was. But he went through it, not us. And that's because, of course, that's because God loves us. And God loves all the creation, the whole world. And that's why God sent this Jesus to come and live on this earth and die on the cross, and God raised him. And with Jesus' resurrection, he broke the grip of sins, and Jesus the Messiah saved us from this power of evil. And we all know what this resurrection means, right? Him rescuing us from the present evil age means that Jesus inaugurated Age to come, the age to come that we've been waiting for for a long, long, long time. All people of Israel, for so many generations, for over thousands of years, we all have been waiting for this very moment, right? In our long history, we the people of Israel had to endure so much pain, so much suffering, but we always had a hope. And our hope was that someday, someday, 
our God will bring us into the age to come. There will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, and God will reside among us forever and ever. And that age to come is finally here. The Messiah brought the age to come here on this earth, inaugurated the new age, and this was the will of God from the very beginning. And for that, we sing our praise to our God forever and ever. Amen. And that's what these five verses tell us. It's very easy to skip over first five, five, these five verses because it's just a greeting, right? You want to get to the meat of this Galatians. What does it teach for us? But this seemingly very, very conventional opening of the letter is actually very rich in content. The essence of the book of Galatians are all packed in these five passages. And there's so many things in there, I wish we had 20 hours to go through this, but we don't. So for today, one thing I would like all of us to walk away is this. So one thing I want all of us to walk away is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. These five verses, along with other books written by Paul, reveals to us the gospel, the good news, is that the Messiah is here. And we now live in the new age. What the Paul and the Christians back then would call the age to come. The gospel means that Jesus, the Messiah, is here. And the Messiah inaugurated this new age of God's kingdom here on this earth. The time of wondering whether Jesus is coming, whether Messiah is coming, is over. And now the new age of fulfillment has began. Waiting time is over. Now it's time for us to follow the Messiah to live into this new age, to live our life on this earth as the Christ our Lord reigns this world. That's the gospel. Which I think is not how the most of us use the word gospel. When you see the gospel slide like you see here, you would expect to hear, or when we use it oftentimes, what we say is, Jesus died for our sins and we're forgiven, or some version of it. Right? That's what you, you used to seeing on the slides like this, and a time like when you use the gospel, that's the, that's the concept that you have, we have. When we use the word gospel, oftentimes the good news focus on personal salvation. And yes, that's a central part of the gospel, but not the entirety of the gospel. Okay, let me explain. About a month ago, I think a lot of Hawaii people got so excited about the Honolulu Little League team winning the world championship. Yes? Oh, was I the only? Yes, that was great. Those boys did an amazing job. 
And in a final game, I don't know how many of you got to watch it, in a final game, they, which they won the championship. I don't know if you remember, but two things had happened, right? One of the things that happened was that yes, they won the game against the Curacao team by 13 to three. Honolulu scored 13, Curacao did a great job and scored three. The another thing happened, the second thing happened is that they became the world champion, right? In some ways, those two things, winning the game and becoming a world championship, are dealing with the same thing, right? Winning against the Curacao team and winning the championship both happen on the same day as a result of the same action, which is that all the boys played really good baseball that day, as always they do. And becoming the world champion wouldn't have been possible without them winning the game. So they're kind of entwined closely. So beating the Curacao team was absolutely essential and central part of this marvelous achievement they have done to become world championship. But at the end of the day, what grabs headlines? I don't know if you remember the start of a Tizen next day. If you don't, we have it here. Yes, world champs. Not Honolulu beats Curacao or 13-2-3. The headline is world champs winning the world championship. That's the good news that got printed that day. And that's the best analogy I can think of to explain this idea of gospel today. Yes, through the cross, through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, we are all saved. Right? Also, through the cross and through the resurrection, Jesus the Messiah inaugurated the new kingdom, new age, the age to come. Through the cross, we are saved. Through the cross, also, Messiah inaugurated the new age, the kingdom of God here on this earth. For Paul and the Christians at that time, and even for some of us today, while the salvation through the cross is an essential and a wonderful and central part of the good news, the gospel, that's not a headline to some of us in a Paul, and definitely not for the Paul in the Christians at the time. For many of us who grew up in Western church context, we were taught, rightly so, the gospel means that through the cross, we can receive our personal salvation from our sins, and someday we get to go to heaven. But people like Paul and the Christians at that time, people who wrote the New Testament, when they hear the word gospel, or when they think of the gospel, they weren't thinking about personal salvation and going, definitely not thinking about going to heaven. When they hear the word good news, 
the gospel of Jesus Messiah, they're thinking Jesus the Messiah inaugurated this kingdom God of God on this earth. So this inauguration is the headline, the first thing pop in their mind. They're not thinking going to heaven. They're thinking kingdom is here. We're not going anywhere. We are now, we're here already. We're going to live into the kingdom of God. And that is the good news, the gospel Paul is highlighting here. And we will see in the coming weeks how this good news, the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, informed Paul and churches in Galatia. And through learning that, my hope is that we will see why this inauguration of God's kingdom on this earth is such a big deal even to us today. I hope I'm leaving you with more questions a slight confusion than revelation and answers this morning. We have a whole eight weeks to keep asking the question, keep struggling with this question, and we'll be able to find answers in the Bible together. So today, this is where we're going to end. And to end this message, I have no life application. As you, can, as you can see on the bulletin, there's no reflection questions. That's intentional. It's not because I ran out of time to think of the questions. <laughs> but instead, I'm going to leave you with an invitation to read the Bible in this coming week. To read the Bible in the coming weeks, and uh, particularly Galatians 1 and 2, we only got to see the first five verses, actually the rest of the chapter one is quite exciting and two is getting even more exciting. So I don't want to deprive you of that joy. So um, if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I don't mind reading the Galatians. Then um, I'm going to ask you to block 15 minutes sometime this week. And if you are sitting there thinking and like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Great, I'm going to ask you to pull up your phone right now or your schedule book that you keep your plans right now, right here. Go ahead and pull up your phone. And if you feel like, no, I don't want to read the Bible, that's fine. Then you can just wait with me as people pull out their phone. <laughs> but I want you to pull out your phone or your schedule book or diary and look through your week ahead. Your week ahead, some of you have like a very simple schedule. You know when you have free time. That's awesome. Scan through this upcoming week. Find 15 minutes block that you can definitely, definitely can guard. Then nobody's going to ask you to drive you to the gym, um, baseball practice or like you're not going to have to do the work meeting. 15 minutes, just one block of 15 minutes this coming week. Find that spot somewhere. And if you find it, you schedule an appointment with yourself to read the Bible. And that can be during your break time, commute time, to your work or school. Some of you have the regular routine of reading the Bible anyway, then that's great. You can add that 15 minutes in there. And this hopefully will be also helpful for people who always like, oh, I kind of want to get in a habit of reading the Bible regularly, but never really have time, then 
Great. Let's block that 15 minutes right now. So at least you read the Bible 15 more minutes than you did this past week. So that's a great step forward. And if you already read like three hours a day, then adding 15 minutes is not going to do you too much. So great. You also will read 15 more minutes of the Bible than last week. So do that and, you know, uh, read the Bible. But, you know, some of you, like myself, you can put all the schedule in your calendar and you're still not going to be able to do it. You need someone to hold you accountable. Then turn around, ask your neighbor to be, hey, can you, can you ask me midweek if I did it or not? You can ask your neighbor. You can even do it as a part of your small group. Um, curve out the 15 minutes, read. Since there's no discussion question, read together. And the rest of the time, you guys can do the catch up and talk story, whatever you like. Um, if you're sitting there thinking, no, I don't want to ask anyone, I don't want to, I'm not in a small group, I can, I'm happy to read with you on the phone, via Zoom, in person, we can read together. So feel free to contact me. My contact information, phone and email are on the back of the bulletin, or you can always find it on our, our website. Um, just a heads up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays are good for me. Monday, Thursday, no good. So if the schedule syncs up, let me know and we'll read it together. And in those 15 minutes, what do you do? You do read the Galatians 1 and 2. You can do the audio Bible. You can read the Bible of translation you like. And as you read, a couple recommendation is to write down any thoughts, questions, things doesn't make sense, or honest thing of like boring, or I heard this before, that's okay. Write down honest response, keep track. And questions like, what does this mean? How does that make sense? And even simple things like, what does this word mean? Just write it down, keep track. Uh, you don't need to go hunt for the answers, you just Keep track of those and trying to read, not study. Trying to read what is the text teaching you that week. Some of you are thinking like, oh, 15 minutes a day is so easy. Then you can do it every day and you can read every day the same passage. It gets a little boring, but actually there's a great things that you may see when you read the same passage every day for consecutive five, six days. So if you're one of those people who wants always the extra work, that's there for you. And my hope is that if you decided to respond to this invitation, uh, I pray that this will prepare all our hearts to receive the, all the messages coming from the, all the preaching team in the coming weeks through this series. And next week, is Pastor Rebecca will preach anywhere from verse chapter 1, verse 6 to end of chapter two. We don't know where she's going to preach from, but if you do this, you'll be very ready to receive her message. So I pray that will prepare you well. Okay. And I can invite the worship team to the front and they will lead us in a response. <laughs>